Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on What's Happening Locally this Wednesday here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane. Now, when my daughter received a pair of pet crabs as a gift, she filled a glass tank with sand so the creatures could climb and dig. She supplied water, protein, and vegetable scraps for their dinner pleasure. They seemed happy, so it was shocking when they disappeared one day. We searched everywhere. Finally, we learned that they were likely under the sand and would be there for about two months as they shed their exoskeletons. Two months passed, and then another month elapsed, and I had begun to worry that they died. The longer we waited, the more impatient I became. Then finally, we saw signs of life, and the crabs emerged from the sand. I wonder if Israel doubted that God's prophecy for them would be fulfilled when they lived as exiles in Babylon. Did they feel despair? Did they worry that they'd be there forever? Through Jeremiah, God had said, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to Jerusalem. Sure enough, 70 years later, God caused the Persian king Cyprus to allow the Jews to return and rebuild their temple in Jerusalem. In seasons of waiting, when it seems like nothing is happening, God hasn't forgotten us. As the Holy Spirit helps us to develop patience, we can know that he's the hope giver, the promise keeper, and the one who controls the future. You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving and compassionate God. Help us to have faith in you as we wait. We believe you're involved in our lives and you care about our situations. In your son's Jesus' name we pray, amen. What's happening locally? There's quite a few things going on. Of course, the city council has been slow to action on a number of things. Right now, the city council's, you know, their their legislative agenda is pretty lean, and I think they're waiting for the state legislature to take action on on a number of different topics because I know that the left-leaning majority on the city council would like to uh, use their political power to either stand up to you know help the legislature i know that we've got uh, city council members that are over there testifying in support of very bad legislation when it comes to pursuit you know to drug trafficking and of course the left just loves chaos they're, they're fine with everything just continuing to go on and us spend a fortune on the drug addiction and homelessness but you know they think that they they've got a, a better solution we've been trying that doesn't seem to work, but they're doing that in Olympia. So they don't have a real heavy agenda because they're going to want to take some of those state policies that have been handed down to municipal governments and, you know, push their agendas after that legislative session. And there's a a few things on the list that we're going to have to go over in a few weeks that man is unbelievable what the state legislature is contemplating this year. Oh, you betcha. But before we go outside of the city of Spokane here, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and get updated on what your Spokane City Council is doing to you. Now, I'm looking at the agenda for Monday, January 30th. We're talking about this last Monday, ladies and gentlemen. And yes, we did have a updated agenda at that particular point. We didn't have the white papers, but there definitely was a last minute addition to that agenda. And here is what it was all about. 
There was a motion to suspend the council rules and add the following items to the Monday, January 30th agenda. Now, Tim and I do not know how the council ended up voting officially, but I am sure that because there is that five to two left-leaning majority that both or all of these particular items ended up getting approved. First item we're talking about is a grant agreement with the Washington State Department of Commerce for assisting with moving the people in encampments into housing. Now, they are categorizing this as encampments, plural, because you've got folks that are camping, uh, you know, let's say over there by the Costco. You got folks that are camping over by the airport. You got folks camping along the river. You've got Camp Dope. You've got about 150 or so people that are still there at Camp Dope. So what's going to end up happening with this Department of Commerce grant, it is a total of $2,806,625. And $2 million of that is going to go to the Salvation Army as they currently manage the Trent Shelter. $657,000 is going to be utilized by an organization called Housing Navigators for rapid rehousing. And then there's going to be $150,000 of that $2.8 million that is going to be spent over at the United Way, and that'll be for diversion services. Now, I'm wondering if this, what, $2.8 million is, you know, in that dollar amount we talked about before, the $36 million that was spent on area homelessness. No, this is brand dope. new spending, Tim, because this comes right at the onset of the council meeting. As a matter of fact, it even specifies in the agenda that the council will have to suspend the rules in order to add this particular item onto the agenda well, I'm just wondering if that, for deliberation it, and vote. Was this coming from the Department of Commerce or was this other funds coming from the state level? It was Department of Commerce grant. Okay, so it, it's, it's I think, part of the $36 million, but it's still in a, just a, a massive amount of money when you're talking about just hundreds of people maybe and spending millions of dollars in the short term just to uh, displace them and then uh, replace them. Yeah, you betcha, man. I, and and I, I just... It's just driving me nuts that we there's all this money that continues to go out. Now, on that Camp Dope discussion, I do have a piece of news here having to do with that. The county apparently has decided to drop their lawsuit against the state wash dot for yeah. the property and, and how it's being used. So, you know, that's going to be, I think they're doing it in good faith, thinking that the state is going to help them and negotiate with them. But of course, when it comes time, when, you know, push comes to shove, when people don't want to leave, people don't want housing. Mike, we have housing programs, tons of them. Many organizations do housing programs. We have government subsidized housing, you know, like Section 8 housing. Oh, we've yeah. got HUD that, you know, we've got tons of people in the Spokane area living in apartment complexes that their rents are basically fully paid for. And so there's tons of different housing programs out there. And we just keep expanding and expanding and expanding these, you know, government subsidized housing. When those folks, if they weren't violent, if they weren't so heavily drug addicted, there would already be housing 
provided for them. All they would have to do is go to the welfare office, sign up for it, be on the waiting list, and they all those people would have been in housing already. If before Camp Dope opened, they would have signed up for housing. Oh, yeah. So we're going to keep on expanding government. Where do you house people that won't stop doing fentanyl? Right, you bet. And, you know, I mean, when we heard from the sheriff a week or so ago, I mean, he definitely nailed it when he said that, you know, this fentanyl stuff is one of those drugs where you're not going to be able to kick it alone. Right. You got to have some kind of assistance, whether that's uh, in, you know, in-house assistance or outpatient assistance, well, and, and but you, you got to have something. And you and I have talked to people that are former drug users that said, if I didn't go to jail, I would have never got clean. Exactly. As a matter of fact, the last time that we were in the studio, we had a, we had that a gentleman and yeah. had that conversation. And, and that's exactly what he said. But you've heard it over and over when you're back Again. on the council, oh, yeah. when you in the, in the homeless shelter, you know, in industry basically if we're not going to hold folks accountable and say look you can't continue to do these narcotics and just prey on communities and cost the taxpayers a fortune you're cleaning up and we're we're locking you away from the the pills from the exactly from, from the pipes from the needles at some point in time, we have to realize that that's what we have to do. Yes, you bet. Otherwise, I, we're just going to throw tons and tons of money at this thing. Right. Like, we're not incarcerating dangerous criminals because in our state budgets, they say we can't, and in our local budgets, they say we can't afford to jail them. Well, we're paying two, three, four, five, ten times on individuals that are out, you know, creating chaos in our community, then it would cost to incarcerate them. Right, right. You know, especially those guys that have got criminal records as long as their arms and legs, you know. Right. And it's not unusual here over the last five years to wake up in the morning and, you know, see a news report or read a headline here where you got a 22-time felon right. or a 63-time felon that got involved in something and he's arrested back again. out on the street. I mean, Arrested and released again. That's you bet. Right. You bet. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that basically takes care of last Monday night's city council meeting. It was kind of surprising to see that updated agenda with that add-on there from the Department of Commerce and that grant for $2.8 bucks again, to basically deal further with. But like I said, deal further with, but the sheriff's going to be involved or local yep. police are going to have to you be bet. involved because what do you do? Does WashDOT continue to say, no, the people can stay there. We're not going to get involved. It's up to local authorities. Oh, by the way, federal judge says local police can't be engaged on the facility. What are they going to do with, the, I don't care how much money they throw at this. If they've got people that continue to see resources coming their way and they are refusing to leave the site, I think we're still in a standoff with them. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, huh? For sure. Well, the taxpayers are in a standoff. I mean, I think all the other local organizations are standing there holding their hand out, filling up with cash and, and they'll, <laughs> they'll stand there as long as we keep filling it. Right. You betcha they will, man. I, you know, just like Eisenhower back in the day, you know, he was trying to warn us on the military industrial complex. Yeah. Now we've got the homeless industrial complex. Uh, yeah. And it's huge. It is huge. And it is swallowing some big dollars to boot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, next Monday, February 6th, we have got somewhat of a full agenda, not a whole lot in the legislative side. So, I mean, there's only one item 
actually two items that the council is going to be voting on that are related to each other and have everything to do with upending the annual budget for this year because they are going to be doing some position moving, if you will. And what we're talking about is appropriating various outstanding grants and capital expenditures, thereby amending ordinance, previous ordinance uh, that was passed on December 12th of last year, ordinance C36345. And basically what we're talking about is we're adding a classified program specialist position. We are adding a classified program professional position and some additional administrative level type positions there. Well, well, they could definitely have less problems with their budget if they'd quit expanding the size and scope of government. I mean, when you entered the city council, Mike, what was that? 2011 we were uh, yeah we were under a million bucks and we well, it was way under a million bucks i thought it was like six hundred thousand. yeah yeah well I, I would say memory puts it at about eight about eight hundred thousand yeah, about but, eight but and now then, now the city council i believe is at 2.5 million ish i think it's there over three now over three million and with the new hire of council member karen stratton's husband right chris who is now the policy advisor used to be lisa brown's husband but he is resigned oh, from now, hold the on, city now hold council. on just just to clarify that so it used to be brian mcclatchy who was lisa brown's husband because chris, right. chris wright was not married to lisa brown i mean maybe no, a former no, wife no. no i'm kidding but so obviously p- politics is becoming a family business. It is, and, and For, we saw. I mean, it, it, by all appearances, you bet. Right, because we saw Chris. Chris Wright, right? Yeah, it is. All right, we we saw him on the park board. That's correct. And it's my understanding that he left the park board, and things weren't the greatest. I think that there was some business problems with maybe some pot growing business. Well, yes, they were the council member. Well, Karen Stratton was the council member that was known as a pot queen, but uh, I thought, because she was growing the pot at a farm here somewhere well, around Chris Spokane. Wright, Chris Wright used to be an attorney. Yes, he was, and he, and he, he was got the legal it. counsel over right. the corporations that they were partnered with because they weren't just the sole owner of these grow operations; they were partners with other people. And he was right. kind of the legal counsel because he had a law license. Apparently, that is not the case anymore well i don't know if he got his license revoked and i would imagine that he didn't get his law license revoked because he did get it you know hired on as the council's attorney policy advisor so if he's going to be having that particular title he better be a bona fide attorney right i don't know that that's a requirement so uh, (laughs) but we'll find out here we're going to take a break we'll be right back we want to thank God and you, the listeners, for the opportunity and ability to continue the Right Spokane Perspective radio show and podcast programming. We sincerely thank you, Mike Fagan, for your 12 years of dedication to our listeners and guests of the Right Spokane Perspective, and we wish you well in your sabbatical and anticipate hearing from you again from time to time. Listeners, it's because of your support we will continue to bring you facts, commentary, and alerts on what's happening in local government, politics, and issues affecting us all. Please send your most generous support to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620, Spokane, Wa 99207. Thanks again, and back to the show. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on What's Happening Locally This Wednesday here on Right Spokane Perspective. There was uh, some other very questionable things that were going on in Councilmember Stratton as well as Chris Wright's life at the time. There had been some talk about a bankruptcy. There had been some talk about being sued by former clients 
for taking money and not refunding money, things to that effect. Well, it's so my understanding. Very, that- very interesting, you know, how the city council has become a family affair. <laughs> yeah. Well, because, yeah, yeah. Well, Lisa Brown obviously had run for office a number of times, also for the mayor's position, right? Uh, no, not, not, not Oh, no, no. It was rumored that she's going to this yeah, next that's time. That's correct. But yeah. she ran against Kathy McMorris-Rogers. She was a senator for a long, long time. She was a, a representative, House of Representatives for a long, long time. And, you know, obviously she got married to what then became the legal council. And, of course, the left-leaning majority is hiring their friends to work on the council. And they've created all sorts of new positions around the city council, including this new advisor position. Right. And so they you know lengthened their budget and and i know that cathcart had said to a reporter in the spokesman review that he wasn't really against the idea of right as a candidate for the job because he interviewed the best but he just didn't want that job to exist he says we don't need this position we don't need a policy advisor and of course we saw that when they created the position for McClatchy in the first place. And we're talking about a job that's going to pay over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Right. It's going to cost. And that was a, and and mind you for the record, that was a six to one vote, a six to one vote. Fagan Fagan voted no on that McClatchy thing. Right. You voted no. And now you've got five to two vote because the two district one representatives say, we don't need this position. That's just another six figures plus benefits and everything else that the city taxpayers have to pay out when there's lots of other things that those monies could go to that the, the citizens want. You know, you could hire another police officer. That's right. And the way I'm looking at some of these positions with city council, a lot of these folks are treating city council. I know that we had the complaints years ago when Ben Stucker was in charge as the council president that they didn't pay enough. And there's that whole debate. Was it part-time? Was it full-time? You had former city council person, Mike Allen, that said, it's part-time. Yeah. Right. And you did it as a full-time job. Sure. Like you said, it's all what you make of it, but it looks to me like most of these council people, like when Kate Burke, they, I mean, you never saw them anywhere unless no. they were spending all their time with their, their leftist activist friends and yeah. considering and it work they, hours. They don't go in, they don't go to a whole lot of the meetings that they sh- a whole lot of the meetings that I would be going to, right. you know, especially meetings where you are face to face with your constituents, right? Neighborhood council meetings, and the and the bad thing is, is that because of COVID and you know the the whole canceling all the neighborhood council meetings, the neighborhood councils used to have more attendance, Mike. Like when you came to my neighborhood, right. we used to have attendance twenty, thirty, forty people showing up to just a neighborhood meeting. And there's what twenty nine neighborhoods. That's correct in the city, and so. Now you've got these representatives that aren't going to their neighborhood councils, and so citizens aren't showing up because their representatives aren't showing up. That's right. So, you know, that's that's a big problem in my mind to spend another $100,000, plus we're paying the salaries of council members that are treating it like a part-time job. Sure. Why do we need all these people? Hire a couple of full-time police officers to make our city safer, because right now we're moving police around because we don't have the coverage. That, yeah, that is correct. And, you know, with my attendance at these particular or specific meetings that I ended up going to, again, where I was close to the people, I felt that that was the priority at the time. 
You know, and if that is a priority as a representative. How, how can someone be a representative remain, that's right. if they haven't talked to any, what are they, what, who are they representing if they don't talk to people they're representing? Exactly. And, you know, you didn't go to those meetings anticipating getting a whole lot of complaints. A lot of people were satisfied if they saw their elected reps sitting in the corner, listening to their issues. Right. And being in a position to address their issues, taking it back to city hall and stuff. Well, and, or, uh, or bringing city hall to them i remember yeah. seeing you with constituents they wouldn't have a complaint necessarily about a government policy they had a problem they yeah. didn't know how to solve it That's they right. came talk to you because of your experience and knowledge of city hall you said well you can call 311 to report this or you can go straight to this agency and contact someone sure. there for this violation and so there's ways of handling but they don't know how to navigate the system and a lot of times that's what representatives need to do. But we're not seeing representatives that are, you know, approachable maybe is, is part of it because you can't approach them if they're not there. But, at, but that's the biggest thing. They're just vacant a lot of times. That's right. That's right. And, you know, you had already brought up the $36 million. You know, we were yeah, talking about first the homeless half. industrial yeah. complex. Now we're going to add $2.8 million in a right. Department of Commerce grant that's going to be, you know, split up amongst agencies, but primarily being granted for the express purpose of eliminating Camp Dope. Because, you, again, you've got less than 150 people left over there, and they are definitely going to be pushing them out of the camps. So they well, they can't push the them skids. out of the camps, though, because they, they don't have the ability to have law enforcement push them out of camps. So That's correct. All, that, all they can do is bribe them with free stuff. That's so right. So at the end of the day, this federal judge, whatever this moron federal judge's name is, I don't remember, that says law enforcement can't be inside a Camp Dope, which, okay, now judges get to redraw jurisdictional lines, whatever. And so they're going to have a handful of folks, Mike, I think that are just going to stay because they don't have to leave. Yep, that is correct. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see what is going to motivate these people to move into a shelter or move into somebody's couch or whatever the case. Transitional but what I can tell you yeah. is now we're going to have to add to that $36 million plus $2.8 million in that Department of Commerce grant, potentially another twelve to $15 million because one of the things that the City Council just recently did was issued a resolution in favor of buying the Trent Street Shelter. Well, actually, I have an article on that and I don't know what the dollar amount is that's that's part of the problem is that they, they didn't put a dollar amount to it they intend to purchase the shelter oh i i understood that it was going to be somewhere between you know 12 and 15 now that i say that that, that doesn't that quite make the 12, the 12 and 15 million dollar number that was actually in this article when we were talking earlier about it is the dollar amount for the service providers that they're going to have operating the shelters right okay and so what they're looking at is that the larry stone who owns the building through an llc and its desire to purchase the building stone purchased the warehouse in march for $3.5 million. Right. But since then, there's probably been at least a million, maybe $2 million in renovations that was done. But so who did the renovations? The taxpayers, right? Yes. The taxpayer. But, yeah. But when it's a purchase, the purchase is going to be analyzed. And I'm sure that they're going to be looking at assessed property values. They're going to be doing all the things you would do buying or selling a commercial sure. property. So 
you know, that's going to be a whole bunch more money that the city's going to spend. And here's the other thing I think that's uh, an issue here too, Mike. I think that we, we like to contract things out as much as we can as a city. Well, mm-hmm. the Valley is an all-contract city, right? right. So about, because you have the one-time cost or the, or the ongoing costs of contracts, but you don't bear all this liability and administration and everything else. Because if they contract and lease the building, now maybe that's expensive. Maybe they can negotiate on the lease but they're not doing repairs, right? right? So they're not paying, you know, what would you call a maintenance guy in the local 270 union? Right. Versus a maintenance guy that's just hired from John Q maintenance guy over there. Right. So you're you talking bet. the difference between what, 30, 50, $60 an hour that maybe somebody that's maybe formerly homeless could do some maintenance because they know how to take stuff apart. They can put it back together too, right? <laughs> so there's They are training. very good at that. Yeah, very good at taking <laughs> and they apart. will they will sit there on the floor and tinker with their bicycle parts or tinkle with some other kind of parts, radio parts, whatever, for hours and hours on end. Right, yeah. And well, that is the demon of... These drugs, these drugs. That oh, you can hand them an old tape recorder and a pair of eyeglasses, <laughs> screwdrivers. They'll figure out how to use that little screwdriver to take that thing completely apart, and they'll spend a couple nights doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing. But it, nevertheless, the cost of government owning the building versus it's just like the public facilities district. It's a quasi governmental entity, so that the government doesn't have to own the building, so they don't have to pay prevailing wages for maintenance on the building. Right. The, the public-private partnership can go get a competitive bid in the private market to replace the roof. Bango, it's done at, at, at market rate. That's right. The government owns the building. They go out and get bids. It has to be done at government rate, not the going rate. And so we're going to pay twice, three times as much. Exactly. So there's debates on whether you want to own it or just lease it. And then there's the other deal too. If you own it, city's pretty good at buying or developing certain things what's your saying mike they're pretty good at building it they're just really bad at maintaining it that is exactly it's like our streets but the reason why that is is because we contract out for total reconstruction of streets Mm -hmm. it's the street department that does the maintenance yes that's the difference So look so, at the yeah, lawsuits that, that are happening it. with the jail. Look right. at the lawsuits happening with the jail oh, and the yeah. mistreatment of people. So now you also have the liability of the city. Now you've got attorneys that will look at a homeless shelter. If it's run by a private organization and it's owned privately, the insurance companies that are representing those service providers and the property owner are not just going to fold over and hand up a million bucks over. Whereas the city is self-insured for a million bucks and all it's going to take is for a homeless individual to fall down the stairs, get pushed down the stairs, something. They're going to go to a local attorney. That local attorney is going to be like, this is going to be a cash cow, man. And because the city's just going to have to pay out a million bucks yeah, every time there's yeah. a, a claim. Unfortunately, or upwards so. of a million because they're sure. self-insured for it. So I think it's a bad decision to buy a facility like that because then the, the taxpayers are locked into much higher costs in dealing with the homeless issue itself oh yeah because i'm telling you that prevailing wage like you said is going to add it's going to double the, the price it's, right. it's not triple it as and far I, as the labor is concerned and i kind of have a feeling that larry stone 
bought that property so it could be used for a homeless shelter because he wants that problem dealt with because it's going to harm commerce and his business and people that you know he does business with oh yeah uh, in spokane and so, he's doing his business primarily at the playfair you know the old playfair park well and he's got a couple other so projects. it is like right there it is right there well and he's got a couple projects in the works and so i think that you know he planned on that being for the homeless shelter and was basically was doing the city a favor but he didn't want to continue continue owning it yeah and and so now he wants the city to buy it the problem is 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 it a good strategy for the city to buy it? i don't think it is yeah you bet I, I i think it's going to cost us a lot more money in the future and if you build it they will come what if the homeless situation turns around mike what if our culture and our society turns from its wicked ways begs god for forgiveness and becomes more prosperous and people just aren't on drugs what, what if we stopped fentanyl from flooding into our city somehow would we need that homeless shelter to all these homeless shelters i, I don't think we no, would no eventually those numbers would winnow themselves down right but you buy one now you're going to have real estate investors that are going to try to cash in on building more homeless shelters if we have an economic crisis, which I think we might this year. <laughs> and the way it's looking, man, that economic crisis may very well extend itself into next year. Right. So, right. right. So then word on the street in Portland and Seattle and other places is, hey, it's pretty good in Spokane and they just bought another facility. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, just that particular standpoint that that would uh, no seller for me <laughs> yeah because you're right man i mean if the city ends up owning that particular building knowing that we've got 36 maybe 39 other service organizations here in our region yeah. that's providing similar services it just puts the city government in the same place it's like the welfare it was supposed to be a hand up not a handout it became a handout it expanded 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 and it's no longer a crutch for those per people that need a, a temporary Temporary crutch. That's right. It becomes a permanent lifestyle, a program that never goes away. They just keep adding. And that's what seems like is going on here. So now you're going to put city government in competition with other service providers that own properties to help the homeless get out of homelessness. But we know with city government, they can't tell them to stop doing the drugs. You bet. And all of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.